because, because I'm a hot girl. I do hot shit. Because I'm a hot girl. Uh, have you seen these fucking videos of the the fucking subways in New York lately with all the rain? What? No. Oh, no. It's raining. Oh my God. Hang on. Let me screen share with you. So this is what's happening. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my God. Why? Why would you go Holy down there though? Right. Because she's got to catch the train to Canal Street. I'm... Like- <laughs> I'm just like I would I would fucking walk like I why what here's another video bitch doesn't even have a jacket everyone's just walking through it like whatever god uh we need to have uh we need to have this person on the podcast yeah yeah Polly get a hold of us at god at Polly WR Polly come on the podcast (laughs) I love the I love that I love that folks are like wearing trash bags and like flip flops to like <laughs> I was just like I was looking at that I was like I'm quitting my job that day like <laughs> I fucking what quit bro fuck? like I don't know okay like listen I far be it from me to judge people about how they deal with their own oppression and stuff when it comes to labor but like if I had a boss, if like if I told my boss the floodway, like the subway was flooded and I couldn't make it to work and he told me you you have to fucking mm-hmm. be here, I'm fucking quitting. Like Yeah. Yeah, no, fuck that. Fuck how? that. Like it's this is like That's dedic that's a dedication to your shit because I would be like, fuck it, I'm poor. Like no, <laughs> I'm just gonna have yeah, to get no, another job. Worth like, it. Here's the thing though, like I wonder if there's like is there is there like subway drama like subway weather drama quotient like the Waffle House uh factor what is it the Waffle House thing where it's like <laughs> wait wait yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not so familiar like, with that. I guess I guess in order to assess like as part of a metric to assess uh extreme weather uh they look at Waffle Houses being open so there's like different different gradations of like extreme weather it's like okay the waffle house is still open the weather's not that bad but once the waffle house offers like a limited menu or something then then like that's the next level of extreme weather and then if like because waffle house is never closed apparently and so like if it actually closes then you know it's fucked so i'm wondering like yeah, the last restaurant I went to before quarantine was Waffle House <laughs> down the street from where I live. Because, like, Ben and I were like, man, there's really nothing open, but we really don't want to, like, this is, like, I think right before quarantine, mm-hmm. too, or it was, like, maybe one or two yeah. days or something. And so we we didn't really know how serious it was. Um, so it was, like, right before everyone figured, like, right before everything came out about it um, and stuff was starting to, like, shut down. And, yeah, that was our last meal. It's so good. <laughs> I wish we had them here. We do not. Oh, you don't have them? Fuck. Uh-uh. What do you okay, what do you have on the on the West Coast? It was like In N Out Burger, right? Yeah. I oh you Is mean like in thing? general? Yeah, like yeah, the, we, like what's the franchise, the the chain restaurant for California? Um yeah. Yeah, we have In N Out. Um we have Do y'all have Del Taco? Yeah, we have Del Taco here. I don't know if it's okay, any good though. Okay. That's one of the ones I haven't had, I don't think. I fucking love del taco oh yeah like i okay so like we didn't have it in the in northern california it's a southern california thing right and we didn't have it in northern california for like forever 
And then we got it, and I was like, look at this whack-ass shit here. Like, it is so, like, gross, nasty. I never had it. And then I moved to Southern California, and then I had it, and I was like, oh, my God. It's so good. It's It's because the whole kitchen is being run by, like, POC. Like, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like elevated Taco Bell. Okay. I would say that it is better – Smaller menu, smaller menu. If you're like vegetarian or vegan, like mm-hmm. the options are way limited, mm-hmm. but better quality. Like, and they have Beyond Tacos, and those shits go so hard. <laughs> they are so good. It's like I don't all know I if I like that I honestly. Pregnant. I I want really? I like my trash Taco Bell because if I it's like I want trash or I want amazing tacos. I don't really care about the middle part at all because usually when I'm eating fast food, I'm just trying to. I'm like so busy uh, that I didn't have time to cook and I'm like on my way to work and I'm mm-hmm. like, fuck, I got to eat something. Um, or I'm just like really depressed and mm-hmm. I want something that's going to jog my taste buds and make my whole body uh, feel crazy to jolt, yeah. to jolt yeah. me out of my depression. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. The power of Taco Bell, the healing power of Taco Bell. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. I'm not the only person that because I, I realized this about myself when I started doing intuitive eating is I am an mm-hmm. I am an. Um, what's, wait, what's that? Intuitive eating. How have we not talked about this yet? I've been doing I it for know. a couple months now. I think I've maybe have been doing okay. it since like May. Um, so intuitive yeah, okay. eating is like it's not a diet. It's a food philosophy. Mm. <laughs> At least I, I just it's like it's called like a program, but it feels more like a, a philosophy about food. And it's an emphasis on relearning what it feels like to be full and what it feels like mm-hmm. to eat without distraction so that you can feel your fullness and honor honor your fullness as one of the 10 principles of it. Um, and it's basically like a non-restrictive thing where you unlearn all the restrictions you learned as an adult when you go on like crash dieting or when mm-hmm. you're, you know, you, when you have like an eating disorder and stuff. Um, so there's a lot of people like this is actually it was recommended to me uh, by a mutual who is, uh, you know, in recovery with, um, you know, eating disorder. I'm going to write notes about this because I want to put a trigger warning before it. Oh, for yeah, sure. Hang on one sec. When I um, start randomly talking about this stuff uh, or when I hear people randomly talk about it, sometimes I'm not ready for it. And I get really like ever since I was 16, I, you know, struggled with bulimia and mm-hmm. I've been in recovery for I've been in recovery for a long time, but it's Good. still Good. it's still something, you know, it never really like leaves you. Right. Totally. Yeah. Same. Same with me. I um, I uh, struggled with anorexia and, you know, I've been in recovery for more than let's see for Probably now almost like fifteen years, wow. and so like yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, I'm I had like, no idea. Closer to twenty, closer to twenty, yeah, closer to twenty, I think. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that shit's hard, and it stays with you forever. I kind of like compare it to addiction. It just it's almost an addiction. Like your eating disorder becomes mm. a, a totally just addictive, all consuming thing sometimes. Um, so it's like you're healing from an addiction to pain and an addiction to suffering, you know? So yeah, it's not yeah. really and an easy thing to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But so so 
reacquainting with the feeling of being full. Of being full, of of enjoying your food as you eat it, of really mm-hmm. like appreciating the qualities of the food as it's in your mouth and and to really um to basically like be more in touch and more intentional um with not what you're putting in your body, but how much of it. And then you, you like start to through this process discover what foods you actually like. Like if you could have whatever foods you want, but which by the way, for the first like month I did this, I was fucking eating everything. Mm-hmm. I was eating fucking <laughs> everything. Um, and I did gain 10 pounds. <laughs> um, and I'm like kind of back to losing it. But anyway, where was I? Oh yeah. So through this process, you learn what food you actually like and you, f- and you get scared a little bit because you're like, oh God, if I really like this food, I'm just going to like binge it or I'm going to overdo it or something. Right. Um, mm-hmm, for th- anybody mm-hmm. who's ever had like that kind of eating disorder. And this process just really allows you to rediscover which things that you enjoy and want to put in your body. And then you start kind of like working on nutrition at the very, very end. And they call it gentle nutrition. And it's really just gentle mm-hmm. guidelines to having like more uh, more healthy, like balanced diet. But it's never once tells you that you have to go back to restricting. You know, it is a really difficult process, though, because... Um, I am an emotional eater in that I'm like a distracted mm-hmm. eater. Like I need to be distracted when I eat for some reason. Um, and I just probably blame that on my ADHD now. But <laughs> um, so being ADHD yeah. and doing intuitive eating um, is also – it's worked well for me um, because the person that was also recommended it also has ADHD. So I felt – I found that it's like a really interesting it, – it can be a really fun process, but it can also be like really, mm-hmm. really frustrating because there's a lot of times you just slide back into old habits and start finding yourself like, oh, I won't eat this food because – I ate this yesterday and then you start like psyching yourself out. But I'm kind of in the Mm -hmm. process where I'm getting really used to it and I'm finding what works for me. So, yeah. So that's intuitive eating. Sometimes it sounds like I'm in a cult when I talk about it. I think it sounds awesome. It's so great. I read the whole book. There's like a book literally just called Intuitive Eating. I cannot remember the name of the authors. It was two um, nutritionist authors. And the whole book, like I had moments where I had to stop and cry because I was like, Never in my life has somebody told me that you could just eat whatever you want, like, and you should eat whatever mm-hmm. you want. And I, that was, yeah. like, a very powerful concept for some reason because we're just so inundated with, like, diet culture and we're so inundated with fat phobia, like, you know, as, like, living in this country and it's just so ingrained in you and you really don't realize it until somebody just like says it out loud like what like what are you afraid of gaining weight why (laughs) and you're Mm -hmm. just like yeah so even though I've gained uh 10 pounds and I'm kind of like waffling on my weight I also feel so much better about my relationship with food I feel so much healthier and I have to deal with my internalized like fat phobia of you know being like scared of gaining that weight Yeah, it's a difficult thing to deal with when you've like spent your whole life, you know, being relatively thin and maintaining and maintaining that through like caloric restriction and all sorts of crazy diets and shit like that. So yeah, yeah, I I recommend it to anybody that's listening just just to be clear, because it's fantastic. It's it's really just uh, it's difficult, but I find it very worthwhile. That sounds amazing. The thing the thing that like is so hard with with food and with 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 being a feminized person who who's constantly objectified and also feeling like kind of like a lack of control right Mm -hmm. in that in that bodily identity right it just seems to me that like and 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 I I just hearing about it from you like it just seems to me that this this is an approach that seeks to regain control Mm -hmm. of like how 
a, a feminized person can experience being a feminized person mm -hmm. and also having a body and also like a functional but also highly sensory and enjoyable part of living, which is eating. Yes. Yeah. And they focus a lot on like the experience of eating. And it's through that too that I realized like I really wasn't I really wasn't engaged in that process at all. When I'm by myself, I'm not engaged in it at all. I, I'm just constantly, I'm looking at my phone, I'm reading a book, I'm watching TV, listening to a podcast. I, can, I never just sit with my food and eat it. And I've really started doing that lately. And this week, I also started doing like a little kind of like prayer, to, like to the earth mm -hmm. and just being like, thank you for this bounty. Thank you. Like, I'm so grateful for this food that's about to go to my body. And yeah. I really felt like just doing that for the past like three or four days straight has been like really like made me happy for that time, you know? Hell yeah. Also helps if you're properly medicated. <laughs> I'm going to say like uh -huh. as as is as with everything, this is a lot easier for me because I'm on the right medication for my mental health and my uh, ADHD. So if you feel if you see all this shit and you if you feel like you can't do it and you're not ready, don't don't feel bad because it's not for everybody for sure. Like I, I feel like I would recommend it to anybody. But if it's if it's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah. Hell yeah. But I'm done with diets for the rest of my fucking life. Dude, fuck a diet. Yeah. They're so loud. I eat whatever I want now. It's fucking awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. And I'm an active person. That. So it's not like I'm just, yeah. you know, I just completely get it's like, no, I've I've always been an active person. Ten pounds is not gonna make me an inactive person. So it's like Right. Yeah. Right. And isn't it like I read somewhere that's like throughout the course of the day with like water intake and food and everything, like you're going up and down about five pounds or so. Yeah, throughout the day. exactly. Yeah, it's so water it's like, weight and stuff. Yeah. 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 So like, what's 10 pounds? Exactly. It's like, it's nothing. It's just a number. It's fucking nothing. Yeah. I'll know I've truly beaten this shit, though, when I get rid of my scale. I got to get rid of my scale at some point. It's baby steps. That's, though, you know. Yeah. That's my hard thing, too, especially after having Pablo's just like. Yeah. It's got had to have been difficult being a parent and having your body change so much and then have to snap back to. Yeah. It's wild, though. Yeah. It's wild how bodies can do that in the first place, I though. I know. Like, not to get like, so oh, tight. dude, have you ever thought about brains? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, yeah, like, so being a parent and, like, body issues and also you being non-binary, that must have been, yeah. If you're not ready to talk about yeah. it, we don't have to talk about no, it No, no, no. No, it's cool. It's It was pretty, like, like I don't think – I would ever do it again. Hmm. Uh, it was a lot. One and it done. It was a lot. It was, yeah, one and done. Um, and, you know, like, if I could be really frank about it, um, I loved, towards the end, I really loved it because, like, the fetus was, like, super active and Pablo was almost out. And it was, like, you know, there was, like, a person. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of interesting and really cool. But um, there was so much change happening so quickly and I was already like uncomfortable with my body. Like I am a small person yeah. who looks very femme, right? And but that's not necessarily the presentation that I would like to be. Right. It's just like what is easiest, right? Mm -hmm. And so like to be pregnant and to have that experience was like really jarring. Um, it was really jarring. And, and it was really hard. And, and, you know, I think it's hard for, like, cis people, like, women, too. I just don't think people really let you talk about how hard it is. Mm -hmm. um, 
But yeah, so but but you could occupy your time with like being like, well, I'm pregnant, mm-hmm. and then after, <laughs> like, your body doesn't just suddenly go back, right? Right, 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 right. It, it takes a long fucking time. Yeah. It took like, I would say it took probably like over a year for me to feel like, okay, this is the body that I can start working on, right, like, in a real way. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess I meant snapped back. Like the fact that the fact that the body even has the capability to change shapes like that yeah. and then yeah um no i i definitely got yeah, you okay i, got okay. You. I was I'm just yeah. saying like yeah, yeah yeah no i got you i know exactly what you're saying but like i'm just saying like before the snapback or even like before the body is even doing that stuff mm-hmm. like i think our culture doesn't really allow us to like embrace it doing that stuff mm-hmm. in a way that's like hey like this is kind of cool um Instead, we're like, hey, like, how do I get back to how I was before? And it's like, right. you know, that that's not the question you should be asking yourself. Like, you right. shouldn't be saying, like, how do I get back to that, right? Like, because for a lot of people, it's just not going to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. Like, ever. I think I've only <laughs> seen that happen with, like, really young moms. Like. Yeah. <laughs> um, they just, just literally, like, a year after they've given birth they're just like back to like supermodel thin or something and I'm just like what <laughs> like like it doesn't even make sense physically like it's like how um but I just find it fascinating like the way yeah and it's that that shape like that state of being is not embraced in society it's meant as something to just get over instead of just be in and exist in for a while like the post-pregnancy body so I totally get where you're coming from yeah yeah it's a trip yeah I guess should we like maybe should we like talk about some of this shit like yeah sure um okay maybe we should try to do like a an intro or something okay cool i need like a tagline or something welcome to the hot girl agenda the the least italian podcast on the left (laughs) (laughs) that's not even true i'm a quarter italian are you really oh my god I can't believe I didn't can, do like blood quantum on you before I before I, know, I had you on you really here. Should've. You should have. You really should have had that as a question. Are you? Are you any bit Italian? You have to answer truthfully. Oh, that's the intro. That's it. No, fuck Italians, man. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, sorry. I love our Italian brethren. Um, my second favorite. No, I'd say they're my third favorite. I don't even want to say that, okay, like, not to wade into the discourse here, but I don't necessarily think Italians are white people. Like, I've seen really dark, you know, Italians, and I'm like, these would not be clocked as white people anywhere. (laughs) That's true. That's true. You know? That's definitely true. But, like, I think Italian people look really, like, diverse, but, like, Italian culture, like, that's fair game for, uh, like, for just dragging and, like, uh, on the grounds that it's whiteness. And, and it, you know, well, well, here's my spicy take on that. Like, yeah, it's always funny to make fun of Italians. And I would say that, um, at least here on the West Coast, the like, and we talked about this on the podcast before with when uh, Amber was on, Amber Delgado, um, we talked about the whiteification of Latinidad. Mm-hmm. And I would say that on the West Coast, like, I would say Mexicans are becoming the new Italians. Um, I believe that. Yeah, that's a very sensible comparison for sure. You know, because like if you look at if you look at the, you know, the proliferation of Mexicans uh, in right wing spaces, in fascist spaces, like 
And those spaces, those white nationalist, white supremacist spaces are opening their gates for them because it's a way to like maintain whiteness. You, whiteness is mm. a malleable um, identity um, and it needs to stay malleable in order to remain the majority. And so you start like filtering in people, right? Like, so these Mexicans who have been here for fucking ever can, can come in, but indigenous folks from Central America cannot. And now there's a delineation line, right? Like, so, yeah. so I would say as a, you know, a second generation Mexican, person of Mexican descent, like I would say like, that is very much coming into a space of whiteness, but it's also coming into a space of whiteness that's fraught because, like, there is huge amounts of anti-Mexican sentiment and, like, racism and colorism and all this shit, right? So so I guess what I'm saying is, like, you know, not yet, but I see a time when, uh, you know, making fun of Mexicans is going to be okay, too. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I I totally agree with this, like, progression of whiteness uh, to keep the majority. Mm-hmm. That's a very, yeah, that's a really astute observation. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we're having this conversation without Maria on Worst Week yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's going to be yeah. so upset when she hears this. <laughs> Maria, we love you. Come back. <laughs> Come back. We still got to talk about hip hop. So what do we got? We got intuitive eating, Italians. Where do we even land on this? Um, Italians. You know, fuck. Italians. Food's good. Italian-Americans, though. Let's talk about Italian-Americans. Because I don't actually know, like, any actual Italians. Mm -hmm. But, like, I know a bunch of Italian-Americans. Y'all are wild. (laughs) Y'all are so wild. Like... I relate so heavily to Italians. (laughs) Yeah? Why? Why? I have always been obsessed with Italy since I was like a little girl. I even did like my my middle school history project on it. I did a big map of I was obsessed with Italy. And I don't know, they're just really it's a robust culture. It's interesting. It's loud. It's like, it's somewhat violent at some times. Yeah, I just like as a Pacific Islander, you know, we're fucking we're rambunctious people. No one would ever call Uh us timid, you know, like. So, like, I appreciate that about them. Yeah. Hell yeah. I appreciate the weird contortion of Italian by Italian Americans. Like, I'm talking specifically about how oh, I'm going to say it, like, just like an American, because I don't know how you're supposed to say it, but like, how Capicola became Gabagool. Gabagool. Like, yeah. Or like, mozzarella became mozzarella. Like, oh my I'm God. just like, y'all, y'all just cut your words in half and just like give it a little, like a little, put a little salt on that. And then it's like, oh, okay. This is I love it. Jersey Italian accent. Because you know how we, you know how we do that shit on Guam? We, we add like words and like we add letters in the middle of words to make it sound, oh, to make yeah. it just sound completely like to make it sound more Chamorro. So um, there used okay. to be this radio show. It was like this talk radio show on Guam. And I think it probably is still around because it was like the most popular radio show on the whole island on all of FM radio uh-huh. on Guam. And it was called Malafunction. And that was just a play on the word malfunction. And it was like a prank. Really? It was like Guam's first like prank radio show or something. It was just like really oh, good. Yeah. And they had like sketches that the two hosts would do where they'd be like, you know, it was just like straight up specific, like very specific guam jokes in every skit and it was fucking hilarious and everyone loved them i totally slept with one of the guys too by the way oh that's shit <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah that's a that's a hot go- that's some a hot win. goss for you from when i was 19 on guam like <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a fucking win. Right. I, lo- I love that. Um, yeah, so it's called malafunction. So it's like all – tomorrow is – slang has all sorts of, like, stuff where we just add words within words. So, yeah. yeah. So Italians, you're welcome to Guam anytime and hopefully <laughs> vice versa. <laughs> Italians, we love them. We love them. Good job, guys. Hey, did you know? Hey, did you know? By the way, um, since we're talking about international topics, we're internationalists after all. Um, <laughs> I was looking up our metrics on <laughs> on Pinecast for the podcast, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, where are the origin of our subscribers and spot on Spotify?" And we have. Wait, I'm gonna pull it up right now. Yeah, I can't wait to hear this. I, let me guess. So I'm going to shout Is out it, all the countries. Oh, there's there's multiples. Okay. Yeah, there's lots of different countries. It's very Damn. it's very funny. It's a there's a very there's always like one random one too, and I know this from like doing podcasts before. It's like there's one country and you're just like what? <laughs> like like how the fuck did you find out about us? Like, yeah, right. We only have like 209 subscribers on Spotify. <laughs> okay, so we've got the United <gasps> States. Canada, Japan, Germany. Oh, well, there's actually three more since I last checked. Wow. Germany, Algeria, <laughs> the Netherlands, Australia, Belgium, Switzerland, Cote d'Ivoire, United Kingdom, wow. Ireland, Russian Federation, Sweden, and Singapore. Damn. There's one one person on the Ivory Coast. One listener. Uh, merci. What... Merci beaucoup. Thank you so Do they speak French there? I just assumed it was French. I have right. no clue. Okay. But thanks for listening. Um, thanks to the eight listeners we have in Japan. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> To our uh, five German listeners. Oh, God. What if it's someone I hate? What if it's someone you hate? What if it's someone I hate? In Germany? Do you have enemies there? Um, I just, I know people there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no one I hate. Whoa. Now I got to walk that back. Now I got to walk that back. Like, if, it, <laughs> if it is someone like I, I just don't like, I'm just going to be like, oh God, sorry. Algeria is a weird one too. That's a, yeah, that's such a weird one. Like what would he have talked about that would have been interesting to Algerians? Like this Fuck is what man. I'm like analyzing now. I'm like completely obsessed with, hey, email hotgirlagenda at gmail.com if you are any one of our <laughs> subscribers anywhere not in the U- United States or Canada. If you're in the US, I don't give a fuck where you are. Unless you're like in a mole city or something. That'd be tight. Yeah. Email. Okay. Email us if you live somewhere fucking cool. Hotgirlagenda at gmail.com. If you live somewhere cool, not Canada, not the US. Yeah. Everybody else on this list, if you're not from, if you're not from our continent, tell us why the fuck are you listening to the show? It's very, very curious. Not that we don't want you to. But. Guaranteed, the the one person in Ireland is a hottie, though. Yeah, the Irish are the I. I'm always saying this: the Irish and the Scottish are the only good white people. <laughs> they really are. Like when you think about it. <laughs> Yo, they're all hot. It's true. Um, yeah, Irish people can get it unequivocally. You know, uh, I hot love- girl agenda does race science. <laughs> <laughs> But only on white people. Only on white people. Only on white people. <laughs> um, no, no, I love uh, Irish history and Irish cultural figures like Chief O'Brien. Uh, love him. <laughs> love him. An uh, icon. You know, I actually really didn't like him until I started rewatching DS9 and I was like, all right, I begrudgingly like him. So I really liked him uh, on TNG. 
okay? Like, I thought he was great because he was just, like, a salt-of-the-earth transport <laughs> operator, right? Like, at the hollow transport thing. I mean, the yeah, the transporter. He's just a salt-of-the-earth mm-hmm. kind of guy. But on DS9, he's got, like, kind of, like, spicy opinions, like, especially about, like, Cardassians and the Jem'Hadar. <laughs> and, and at first I was kind of, like, put off by this. I was like, what happened to my friendly salt-of-the-earth worker guy? But then it comes back around. They, they like, try this sort of, like, almost right-wingy reactionary O'Brien for, like, half a season. And then it comes back mm. around and then you're like, oh, we're back to, like, that good, affable dude who always fucking suffers. Like, <laughs> yeah, he really is. Yeah, he is like, I think maybe you said this before, maybe somebody else said this before, um, but he is like the working class stand in. Like he's supposed to be the relatable guy out of all of them. Yeah. Because he's got like, you know, because he's got like marital troubles and he's got a kid and it's just like, I don't know why, but the the episodes about their marriage really bum me out. And I know they're supposed to have the opposite reaction, but it just really bums me out. And I don't like that. I really wish it was, I really wish I felt like more sentimental after those because I feel like that was the whole point of them. Mm -hmm. I feel like they do acrimony really well, like they fight really well, but they're Mm -hmm. like emotional, like the loving emotional chemistry is not as good. So I think that's Mm -hmm. why it's kind of like jarring, you know? Yeah. Because even when they make up, it doesn't really feel like they're making up. Yeah. Okay. Not to like be like judgy or whatever, but just like as characters, if they were in a sex scene together, I feel like I would be uncomfortable. I'd be like, this isn't convincing at all. (laughs) Like, you know, they just don't have that. They just don't have that kind of chemistry, I guess. Like, uh, I don't know, like Kira and O'Brien. That shit. Kira and O'Brien, like that was like, that was good chemistry. And I know they only flirted with it for a little bit, but like, damn. You know, it's funny because I, I don't remember that, but I maybe I am just a stoner and I need to rewatch the whole series it was, again. It was like two episodes max. Like it was right hmm. when she was pregnant, like right before she had the baby and mm-hmm. she's living with the O'Briens and... He's like, O'Brien is giving her like a back rub and they're like talking and kind of flirting. And then oh they my realize, God. yeah, yeah. And then they what? realize, yeah. I don't remember this. Yeah, it, it's kind of like racist. I can't believe. I can't believe they flirted with infidelity like that on that yeah, show. I know. I, wow. I, it was wild because I was like, okay, so like I was like kind of floored by it. And my partner, my husband was like, no, I think it's like cool because it's already a complicated situation. She's carrying Keiko and Miles' baby because of, Mm -hmm. you know, the accident or whatever. And, you know, it's kind of cool because it shows that, like, they're both invested in the baby, not, you know, each other necessarily. But for me, I was kind of like, somebody call Keiko. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that sucks. I hate that. I can't. Well, I mean, I I, I actually love it because I hate it. Because I hate that Mm -hmm. idea of that. But... Yeah. It makes sense. Infidelity is a fucking real ass issue. Why wouldn't it be an issue in space? Like, you know, because it seems like, yeah, because it seems like, you know, Federation culture is very like, you know, like is like Western culture in that it's like a monogamous, like all the major pairings on the show are monogamous. And heterosexual. They should make Polly Star Trek. (laughs) Oh, my God. I would watch the shit out of that. I would watch that so hard. Federation Polycule. I'm writing this down. <laughs> wait, wait, what'd you say? I said Federation Polycule. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a, a massive polycule representative of, with one representative of each of the planets in the Federation. Oh, God, what a mess. 
What a mess. Oh, my God. Well, if anyone was going to be, like, the the polycule, it would have been the founders, right? Like, it yeah. Been, right? That link. would have definitely fa- been able to facilitate a polycule. Way right. easier than any kind of carbon-based life form. That's right? true. <laughs> Solids can't fuck the way, uh, the way changelings do. They can't get it like that. That's definitely true. Okay, I have a question for you, though, while we're on the Star Trek topic. Okay. Most favorite character of all the different series that you've seen. Most favorite and least favorite. Most favorite is definitely Jadzia. Oh, like so, so fucking hot. iconic. She's yeah. so hot. I definitely. I think she was probably one of my like really early crushes as a kid because I don't remember. I I don't remember a time I wasn't attracted to her. So it must have been early because my dad was having us watch Star Trek since we were like six years old or something. Mm-hmm. So I've been around it like my whole life. Jadzia is my favorite character. My least favorite character. Ooh, that is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Odo, probably. <gasps> really? I, I know. I know it's heartless, but he's still a cop. And like, it's true. <laughs> and he loves being a fucking cop. Uh, yeah, I just I found his I find him his character really just insufferable sometimes. That no, that's legit. That's legit. But his inter yeah, but his interactions with other people are like his his big plot lines are fantastic, and I love mm-hmm. the story. I love the story, and I want to love the character, but I yeah. I just can't do it. I don't know. No, I feel he that. seems like an annoying dude. <laughs> yeah, I like Odo, but I feel that too. I would say. Let's see. I would say my probably my most favorite character. It's a toss up between Kira Norris and Bellana Torres. So Kira Norris from DS Land and Bellana Torres from Voyager. I fucking love Bellana so much. <laughs> and then my least favorite character, and I think I'll I'll get a lot of grief for this one, Riker. Really? Yeah, I cannot fucking stand Riker. Riker can go jump in a fucking go jump in a black hole. Don't come out. Wow. Okay. Is it the toxic masculinity? Actually, I feel like he was not as big of a problem in that show. No, that's not even it. Like, he is just like so into himself and like Okay, well, I'm going to pull up a picture here because it's my favorite picture of him (laughs) from like season one. Let's see. Oh, I, yeah, but he was, like, super into himself, and he was, like, it's, like, you play the trombone, dude. Like, chill out. Stop stop acting like you're so cool. And and he brought that weird, that weird addicted to coming game onto the Enterprise because that everyone, all the adults got addicted to, and oh. the kids had to, like, save them because they don't, <laughs> they don't know what coming is, apparently. And I'm going to blow this up really quick. Yeah, let's see it. Let's see it. Let's see. I can't wait. I'm so ready. Oh! <laughs> I think this was the sexy planet, right? Yeah. Like, I can't remember what the fucking name of the planet was, but I swear it's the funniest fucking episode. It was really before they were like, hey, cut that weird gender shit out. And like, you know, like the studio was like, we didn't like all the little mini skirts on the federal, on like the fucking Enterprise. Like, cut that shit out. Yeah. Guys don't wear mini skirts. But it was the best part of that season. It was. The outfits were fucking incredible. The outfits were killer. But yeah, no. Riker yeah, this just, is a sexy planet. Yeah, and he had to wear that, like, lame, that blue lame yeah. deep V with his, like, sparse chest hat. So good. Yeah. So Riker. So Riker is, is not, not my fave. Second least fave, 
Dr. Bashir. Yeah, he really is a very frustrating character for me, at least for that first season that he was yeah. in. After that, I after that, I think he becomes a little bit more tolerable. bearable. Yeah, yeah, tolerable. He does get better. Just the lusty fresh French dude. Like, come on. Like, it seems like such a lazy start to a character. I you know, know? <laughs> like- I know. And it's like... Here's my thing is like every series from like every series has a character that sort of riffs on the Kirk archetype. Mm. It is so bonkers to me that Bashir is the one riffing on the Kirk archetype. He's just like a pipsqueak. Like he's just this little pipsqueak who like who's kind of annoying because he's like really way too into his work. And it's just like the only kind of hunky guys on that show are like I'm trying to think of like really hunky Star Trek guys. On DS9, well, it's just the captain, just Cisco, right? Cisco. Yeah. I mean, Worf Worf was a hunky guy. Yeah, Worf could get it. Worf could get it. Like Worf could totally get it. He actually might be my second favorite character of all time. I love Worf. I just love the Klingon culture. There's like that whole background. I'm really fat. I love that. I love the Ferengis. The Ferengis are so like fully developed as a, as just like a species in the show. And they're just so much fun. They're the best episodes. The Quark episodes. Oh my God. Quark is awesome. Yeah. I would say my favorite thing, going back to Jezia, like, and, and the Klingons, my favorite thing is that like Dax was like a total, like, like a weeaboo for like Klingons. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Yes. I just watched the episode. Where she like goes to avenge her godson's death. Yeah, Yeah, I just watched that and I was like, I was watching it in the locker room and I was getting ready for work. And I was just like, I just started laughing my ass. Bitch, you are just so like, yeah, I spent a couple summers in Japan. So like, (laughs) like pretty much I'm like a local now. I mean, I love Dax, but like that's what she is, right? Like, yeah, like, it, was, totally. it was very like dances with wolves. It was like, yeah. all right, <laughs> and here comes the white lady to save everybody. Like, <laughs> she's talking to a tribe of fucking warriors. Like their whole culture is about fucking war and shit. And she comes in and is like, is a better strategist than them in like fucking five minutes. Are you kidding me? Like, it's so rough. Such a, it's, it's like a combination of like white supremacy and like Mary Sue syndrome. Was it Mary Sue yeah. or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mary Sue syndrome. So dumb. It's so funny. It, I, I still love Jadzia Dax so much, but like that shit cracks me up. And then like the way she goes after Worf being like cling on pick me, like <laughs> that shit was so funny. Klingon pick me. I love her. I love her, but uh, her politics are so inconsistent. Like it's so it's so fucking funny. She, she's like full of contradictions. Like when she um passed the Trill initiate, like he, she passed him at the end of that episode, right? Yeah, to become she did. yeah. And it was like this dude did like almost nothing to earn mm-hmm. this shit. He did like one cool thing in like a lifetime of just being a fucking nerd, of being an uncurious nerd. And it's like, and then you just like give him like the greatest treasure of all. Like, what? I know. I know. Yeah. I guess that's what happens when you've lived seven lifetimes. Like, you're just kind of like, just kind yeah, of. Yeah, she's like-, like Bernie's age. So, <laughs> <laughs> the bitch is tired. <laughs> bitch is tired. <laughs> 